Math pops are the future. <laughs> New theme song for Danielle. <laughs> I, I want to hear like the Pepper Ann version of your theme song, but about mouth pops. <laughs> Like the upbeat kind of grunge rocky Danielle theme song about mouth. Pops. I would hundred percent think that if my life were a cartoon, it would be a Pepper Band inspired theme song. <laughs> I can see that you. That's why I went there. I know it's like your vibe. <laughs> it's a great theme. Hello and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Sam. I'm Danielle. And this is the podcast about sharing your weird media with your friends, who in this case, kind of know what you're talking about. Kind of. Kind of. Because this is part two of our Starlight Barking episode, the Dodie Smith classic sequel to 101 Dalmatians. Yes. Which I knew. I knew it was a sequel. Good you job, did. Danielle. You knew it was sequel or a prequel or something. You knew it was related because I said A, Dodie Smith, and B, The Twilight Barking. Yeah, I don't know if I knew the name. Like, it's familiar, but I couldn't have come up with it on my own. So I covered the first half of the book for six chapters in our last episode, Danielle. And as is tradition, I think it's time for you to tell me. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an option. <laughs> okay. Uh, gosh, I tried. I tried not to think about this over the week. Why? Because because it's a very weird story. I did tell several people that we were doing the sequel to 101 Dalmatians that was about psychic dogs with telekinesis powers. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and everybody agreed that was a weird sequel to 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> you have no idea how weird it's going to get in part two. Oh, gosh. Ugh. Okay. So what happens? They There's this... I don't know if it opens like this, but the main beginning part is that the, there's a sleep that descends upon all the people, uh, theoretically, in the whole world. That has not been proven, well, but is that correct? Let's be clear. Not just people. Pe no, people, other animals. I was getting there. Everything except for dogs. Right. And so the dogs are the only thing that are awake. But mm -hmm. luckily, they're not hungry because whatever magic has fallen on these people, things, creatures, ha is also making them not hungry. So good for them. They don't need to use yep. their non-opposable <laughs> thumbs to open up any containers to feed themselves. Oh, I got to cook myself a bowl of kibble. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and then... This book, is, it, as you're telling me this, it reminds me, this book is crazy, but also kind of boring. Like, so little happens. You know what I mean? Yes. So they realize quickly that they have telepathic powers like they can yes. hear other dogs which dog specifically do they hear first they first hear um pongo and mrs mrs's child <laughs> um who is over in london with cad pig yes uh, uh, thank you i might have gotten there though with the no. <laughs> with the uh, <laughs> prime minister is that where yeah. his dog she she's is? in 10 downing street which is you know where the prime minister lives yeah and so cad pig uh, alerts them that they're you know when the last couple hours they've done lots of government testing and now they can all talk <laughs> to each other apparently they can all Float? Yes. What do they call the floating? I was just trying to remember it. It's really swishing, good. swishing. Close. Swish, swash, swish, swish, swoosh. swish. It's double O, swoosh. not an I, double O. Swooshing. Swooshing. Yeah. So they swoosh. All the dogs can float and yep. uh, travel that way for no reason whatsoever. And <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason. Because they're turning reason. into stars, I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. And. <laughs> Um, let's see what else happens. Does anything else happen? No, they decide to build an army. That's what Cadpick's talking about. She wants her yep. dad, Pongo, for some bizarre reason to be in charge of this dog army. Preferably what Dalmatians. What kind of dog army specifically? Dalmatians. Yeah, Dalmatians. There you go. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is a eugenics game. And uh, Yes, we all remember poor Patch, a dog with a patched ear who has refrained from breeding because he doesn't want to pollute the Dalmatian bloodline yeah. with his deformities. Crazy. Which is a black patch on his ear. Crazy. Yeah, super crazy. But she she wants her non-government dad to form this Dalmatian army and some other yep. dogs and telepathically call them all to Downing Street. Where Pretty they, much all the characters from the original 101 Dalmatians are part of this army. Yes, where they will all join up and uh, be ready for any bad guys because so far there is absolutely no evil influence in this entire first half of this book. Yes. Now, 
There are a couple of other things that happen that are important. I don't know if you remember them. Sure. There's uh, the dog, the general's cat, uh-huh. and his yes. boy, who are like yep. honorary dogs, quote unquote, yes. at some point they in their lives. Half dogs. Yeah, they're half dogs. They suddenly wake up like a day or two into this mysteriously. Well, this is all one day. This is like a few hours. Really? In. I thought it was like the yeah. next day. No. Oh, well, several hours later, the <laughs> the dog or the cat and the child who were both asleep suddenly wake up and they join the the fray and and the child can kind of speak dog, the dog but only to the general that. yeah yeah the yeah, dog can he's kind of dog. Can, the cat oh my gosh the kid can kind of speak <laughs> dog but only to the general who was in the first 101 dalmatians and they all tr- they decide to transport the kid um yeah. on a tractor that they caused to float and swoosh, swoosh with them. over to downing street i guess and they can't travel more than 30 miles per hour due to laws <laughs> government restrictions and they don't go to downing street actually first oh they don't they end up going to the old house whose old house pongo's old house pongo and mrs they start there but they actually go somewhere else immediately after yeah we ended up with them going to look in on cruella de vil oh yeah that like as i was gonna say as they're driving by uh, floating by to downing street they see cruella de vil's new place of business, business. where apparently she was not in jail she was just chased out of town and has now come back and it makes Close with a K or something. Close that clank. Close that clank. And so nobody bothers to check in on Cruella de Vil to see if she's actually sleeping. They just assume she is, which seems like stupidity on their part. <laughs> well, I mean, that is the entire purpose of the last chapter before we left off, which is where Pongo and his immediate family go to Cruella's house. They meet the tractor with the general, who was a colonel in Hunter Dalmatians, but upgraded himself to general. Yes. And Tommy, the little boy, and the cat, the cats, I should say. One is one of the white cats that used to belong to Cruella, and the other cat that used the other lieutenant of the general. And they all go to Cruella's house, and we left off with them entering her home. Correct. And we found out of note yes. that they, all the dogs that are left now live in like a dog farm up where Cruella used to live, uh-huh. and they never changed the name of the building. From? I don't remember. Something terrible. Hell Hall. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And this is where, not just where Quill lived. She didn't live there. This is where she kept them and was planning to commit the dog aside. Yes. So and turn them into coats. we don't care about PTSD in this book. We're assuming nope. that apparently none of the dogs being held captive now are concerned about living in the same place where they were held captive. Yep. And also in the summary, there was mention of Sirius the dog star, who we're pretty sure Which has not made an appearance yet. to this whole thing. <laughs> And well, it didn't say he's behind it. It just I said know, it had an I author. said I'm pretty sure that he's behind this whole thing because I'm convinced that they're all turning into stars and that's why they're tele- telekinetic and telethingy. Telekinetic it. and they can, <laughs> they're psychic and they float and they, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. I'm pretty sure they're turning into stars. You're turning into stars. Okay. Well, you're not your theory and you're sticking with it. I am. It was a solid well, theory from the first episode based on the information I had. For a book that had very little happen, but also just a lot of things explained, that was a pretty good summary, uh, Danielle, I gotta say. Yeah, I, I apologize, everybody. Go listen to the first episode. <laughs> We always say that when we do these second parts. I'm not sure that helps, honestly, because <laughs> usually these things are crazy. But I won't keep you in suspense any further. Let's find out if your theory of dogs turning to stars is correct <laughs> Just... and if Cruella is indeed somehow involved in all of this mysterious circumstances. You can't convince me that it is not possible in this book that they're turning into stars. Like, there's no reason why they couldn't be turning into stars. This book has not suggested anything else. At this point, who knows, <laughs> right? Anything's possible. You could be entirely right, but you're not. I'm not. So, let's I continue. Know. All right, we're going to start with Chapter 7, The Clothes That Clang, oh. to uh, bring it right back around. With the case? Uh, no. That's weird. For whatever reason, the only time the clothes that clang is spelled like K-L-O-E-S is when they pass the sign, and it is never brought up again. That's dumb! <laughs> What's even the point? Um, You're going to be asking that question a lot in this latter <laughs> half, Daniel. <laughs> All right, continue on. Is Cruella awake or asleep? We're going to find alive? out. So they stalk into the room, and it is dirty. Like, the whole house is kind of dirty, which doesn't really strike me as Cruella. She seems like she would be a meticulous person. Right, which is why I thought it was her twin sister that had taken over. Sure. And so they're looking around the kitchen. (laughs) We disregard everything I say. (laughs) At this point, Danielle, I haven't even started my second summary here, so we got to, like, get going. So I'm going to have to uh, put a pause on the interruption for a second. (laughs) 
<laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be another four-hour episode. Fine, I'll just sit here. Carry on. If you're going to be petulant. <laughs> That's my go-to response, Sam. That's fair. Anyway, there's a lot of pepper in the air, and they find a recipe for Corella's favorite pie. There's a lot of pepper in the air? Pepper. Like, apparently she's obsessed with pepper. Okay. Like, she has a giant pepper grinder. That has used it recently. And, and yes, and her favorite recipe, her favorite pie recipe is as follows. Line a pie dish thickly with black pepper. Sprinkle with a very little meat. Put a thick layer of white pepper, then a thick layer of horseradish mixed with mustard. Top with red pepper. Serve very hot. So it's Doesn't mostly that sound a pepper pie. Basically, it's a pepper pie. Because <laughs> that might be good with way more meat. <laughs> yeah, it might be good with way more meat, but they say specifically a very little meat. And Mrs. is like, you couldn't serve that pie cold if you wanted to. I'm like, wait a minute. This is very British because it is a very British cuisine thing to think that pepper is the ultimate spicy thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't <laughs> disagree. I'm going to be on the Brit side for this one. <laughs> That pepper is the spiciest thing? I don't think it's the spiciest thing, but it is definitely very spicy. <laughs> I don't think black pepper really compares to, like, chili peppers in terms of spiciness. Sure. All spice is too much spice, Sam. Wow, that's really showing your skin there. <laughs> I am a very, very pale person. I will admit that. <laughs> Sorry. I've, I've gotten better with my spices, but... Well, you would fit in very well here in hating this pepper pie. And again, it sounds gross. <laughs> Everybody would eat that pepper pie, Yeah, Sam. no, it sounds gross, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh, it's burning my face off. It just seems like it would be like, oh, chalky and gross. Anyway, they just sort of say, well, that's gross, and they move on. How do they know her favorite pie? Because they found a, a cookbook, oh. and they were reading the recipe out of it. Okay. And so Pongo looks around, and they go in the dining room, and there's just all these portraits of Corella on the wall, and he's like, well, that's gross. Don't want to see that. So she's portraits of herself in her own house. Yeah, she's that kind of person. <laughs> And so, if you recall, they were recently joined by a Staffordshire dog who was just hellbent on murdering Quella. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cat. yeah. I thought yeah. that was a solid plan, though. Yeah. And he's- Unless- Unless Cruella yeah. was actually doing the world a favor by killing the eugenic Dalmatians, in which case, oh, that's not That a was favor. our theory from last episode. <laughs> that's important to note, I think. And you'll be also happy to know the Staffordshire is still bent on killing Cruella. He's all with the cat, like, you use claws, I use teeth, we can make this happen. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, he's great. So they go upstairs and they find her room and they hear a rattling coming from the room and they go in, but it's very dark, like they can't see anything. And so Pongo, he decides to go in first, and Mrs. and one of the other dogs go in with him, and he's like, well, I really wish it could, I could see in here. And then the curtains part by themselves and let the light in so they can see, because, you yeah. know, whatever a dog wants, they get right. in this book. magic telekinesis. <laughs> and Mrs. has a thought that I think was very nice. She's thinking to herself, she was terrified, but determined to act bravely, which is the bravest kind of bravery there is. And I thought that was a fun sentence. <laughs> I like Mrs. She's really sweet. She is not given, like, the most respect in this book, but she seems very like genuine and kind. I like her. I like her too. All right. So they go in and they see that Cruella de Vil is lying fast asleep in the bed. Her husband is in another bed next to her because 1960s, I guess. I don't know. And she's just asleep. Is she married in the book, the first book? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mr. DeVille, he was the one who owned the fur company. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's mentioned ever in the movie. I can't remember. I don't think it is. And I don't, again, and to be clear, I didn't read the first book, but he is mentioned as owning the fur shop in this book. So that's all I got. So Corolla DeVille, fast asleep. She is uh, not involved in this whole thing, apparently. Or is she faking asleep? Well, the cat looks at her. What? Go ahead. Let's see. So the cat's looking at her and the temperature is like, hey, should we just kill her anyway that she's asleep? We just, just murder her asleep. That was the question I was interrupting with. Was, okay, yeah. <laughs> are they just going to kill her anyway because it might save them some trouble? <laughs> that, that was their thought. They wanted to do that. And the cat's like, I don't know. And Plant was like, no, we can't kill her in her sleep. We're better than that. <laughs> I know she kidnapped all of my children and tried to murder them for furs and is a wicked and evil person. But no, we shouldn't murder her. <laughs> Basically, it's just like, we, we won already. She's not involved. It's just wrong to murder someone in their sleep. It's not very, like, honorable. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe this dog has honor. Who knows? The point is, they're not going to murder her. And they notice something weird. Her sheets are not ermine like they were before. They are like a plastic, they call it. Plastic sheets because they make plastic raincoats. Now they have to sleep in plastic sheets, apparently. Oh, okay. She couldn't just have cotton? 
Flannel? <laughs> Apparently, they, when the, the DeVilles go in hard on something, they go all in. Like, they are saying, we're making plastic raincoats, we're going to make everything plastic. That just seems uncomfortable. It does. And they find these, these sheets, and they hear them rustling and clanking, they go up to them, and they go up to the, they find a rack of raincoats, and they touch them, like, wait, these aren't plastic, they're like a very thin tin, they're like metal almost. Yeah, close the clank. And they close that clank. That's right. And they're like, well, that's real weird. Is that what they're made the bed sheets out of too? Yeah. Is that not the most uncomfortable thing to sleep on ever? I would imagine so, but I'm not Corella DeVille, so who knows? Okay. So weird. Whatever. Move on. <laughs> and so Tommy tries to pick up one of the one of the metal, very thin tin raincoats and is like, well, that's really heavy. He puts it back. Does she sell a lot of these? What's her business model? It sounds like a really terrible business to sell metal tin raincoats. Doesn't I mean I don't know. Does tin rust? I mean tin can tin cans do, don't they? They can. I don't know. You think I would know this? I, I know that you know the tin iron man rust. does in uh sure in whatever. <laughs> yeah, well I know that tin can corrode, and that's a Wizard of Oz. FYI. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I was going like Sound of Music. I'm like, that is so wrong. <laughs> Miles apart. Both musicals, otherwise unrelated. Words uh, but are you hard. make like tin roofs and stuff, so maybe it has to be like galvanized or something. Yeah. I don't know. Point is, tin raincoats sound both uncomfortable, loud, constantly being pelted by rain, and also probably not the best way to keep rain off of you. Probably not. I don't even like those raincoats that like rustle when you move, when you have them on. Yeah, like a poncho, like a plastic poncho. Yeah. Yeah. So you would hate these. And sort of the dogs. The dogs hate them. But Mrs. is like, well, she's asleep. I guess she's no longer a threat. I'm glad we checked on her. Um, I think, Let's go. I think they should <laughs> jump. The cats should jump on her chest and see if she moves. Just a little. Uh, no. Why? So- That's a perfect way to know if somebody's actually awake is to like surprise jump on their chests. Just to make sure. She super evil sam yeah okay and maybe a little claw action just just to make sure <laughs> I, I admire your thirst for blood against a defenseless person danielle that's very admirable she but tried to kill some puppies in the last book sam <laughs> she did she deserves she failed, a little thankfully. cat claw like in her chest <laughs> i don't disagree i just find that attacking sleeping people is probably not the i don't most- think a cat jumping in her chest is attacking them i've had many a cat jump on my chest and it's just surprising well, all I got to say is that does not happen. The dogs are like, all right, I guess we found out she's not really a threat or involved at all. And uh, let's go. And the curtains close. And they take that as a sign that they're done here because they no longer need the light since they've confirmed that Corella is, in fact, asleep. Of course. I want this to be true. I'd love Corella to actually not be remotely involved in the story. Well, good news. She isn't. Is she really not? <laughs> so they all leave the house. And Mrs. like, I guess we didn't really need to go into Corella's house. But then why are the door open for us? And then Pong goes like, well, because we need to know that we didn't need to know. Because we need to confirm that it wasn't we need to worry about. If she really doesn't come back, why? what was the point of even having her in the book? Boy, Danielle, I wish I could answer that question. <laughs> My best guess, fan service. <laughs> it's like... Okay, yeah, 101 Dalmatian fan service. <laughs> they, so they leave the house, close behind them, they're like, all right, let's go back to Downing Street. And he's like, I hope Cad Pig has figured out what's going on. And they just leave and Corella uh, exits the story never to be heard of again. I can't believe, I said that as one of my theories in the first episode, is that I'd love if she just dis- like was not involved. I can't believe she really isn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we spent two freaking chapters in this book worrying about Corella, going to investigate Corella, just for her to be like, oh yeah, there's Cruella, see you later. Bye. So, nice stopping by. So my idea that they're becoming stars is now like holding more water. I'm very excited about I, this. I, I, I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> well, it's not. if it's not Cruella, then it's serious to dog star. We'll get all of that. The point is, Cruella is not involved. We spent a, you know, a good sixth of this book investigating Cruella for no reason at all. So what happens next? They go back. They go to Downing Street and they find Cad Pig alone, except for Patch is there with him. And she says, hey, you want to go, uh, all the new dogs who have just come with you from the tractor and Tommy, you want to go see the prime minister? Like she's conducting tours of the sleepy <laughs> prime minister for dogs. Why is she still doing this? I kind of understood her parents make, like making them go see, but why everybody else? Well, all she says is, I've been letting conducted tours go up all afternoon. I feel he would like it. That's so weird. I would not like that for the record to have a bunch of people come into my room while I'm sleeping to gawk at me. me so, cat pig, bad dog. 
Hard pass. Don't do that if we all fall into a magic sleep, everybody. Yeah, right? Thank you. But so Cadpig arranges for everyone to leave. So she's alone with her parents and she's like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just trying to hold it together. And Pongo's like, I really wish we could just watch TV. Is because TV not working? Well, the TVs don't work because the dogs don't have electricity in order to power them or whatever. Why? It's electricity. It's just there. Good question, Danielle. But the TVs haven't been working. But Pongo thinks really, really hard at the TV. He's like, I really want the TV to turn on. Please turn on TV. He really wants to turn on. And it turns on. So, hey, they did it. Magic electricity. But I don't understand why the electricity would be off. I don't know if it's off or whatever. But, like, they're dogs. They can't operate knobs is the point. Me like they're dogs are pretty smart. I don't know, Danielle. <laughs> the rules here are very wishy-washy about what they can and can't do. Like I've had old '60s TVs. Like uh, I think a dog could operate it. <laughs> well, this dog operates it mentally, and so it clicks on because he thought about like needing it to go on. I think they just didn't need it enough before or something. <laughs> it's really need the TV to be on. And so there's a strange sound coming from the television. It's soft, a musical wail, very high, very pleasant, and the screen's all white, blazing bright, and that sort of condenses into the shape of, of Sirius, a star. The, Sirius the dog star! Well, we'll get there. Sirius, and then not the Mrs. dog star? is like... <laughs> Pongo, that's the dream I had. Remember that dream I talked about that no one cared about where I saw a bright light? Oh, look, it turned out the bright light was the TV turning into a star. So, hey, how about that? So, they see the future now? No. But the voice (laughs) from the TV comes out and says, hey, yes, missus, it was a star. And he's like, all dogs had that dream last night, but only a very few of them remember it. Uh, Okay. But they will remember it. That is part of the plan. That's so creepy. And I'm already like, I don't trust this thing. It's so creepy. Yeah. So Cabbage's like, oh, what plan? You got to tell me. I'm in charge of all the dogs of England. I got to know what's going on here. And he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. You're doing very well by yourselves. And he starts complimenting all the dogs like, Pongo, you're so clever. Cadpig, you're very pretty and holding things together very well. Like, oh, don't be creepy, Star. <laughs> Super and so I'm like, oh, don't be creepy about being, oh, very pretty dog. I'm like, no. Where did she come up with this story? You're going to find out really soon what this story is about, and it's going to be something you have never predicted. Okay. It's good, I guess. <laughs> I have no idea where this is going. This is literally, yeah. I think, the weirdest thing you've ever brought to this podcast I'm in so terms glad. of guessing it- where something goes. If you can predict what the moral of this story is, Danielle, I will give you a hundred bucks, I promise. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll keep trying, but no guarantees. No, you gotta do it now before it gets any further into the story. Uh, teamwork. <laughs> Perfect. Teamwork. Great. Love it. Perfect guess. And so the star, the voice on the TV says, and it was very clever of you, Pongo, to turn on the TV, even though I put that idea in your head. And I'm like, uh-oh. Oh, no, please, no. Don't make this star thing into, like, a mind control thing. This is getting weird. It's the Borg again. Why do so many of our things have, like, (laughs) higher powers taking over people's brains to make them all one? I don't know, Danielle. It just seems to be a thing that humans like, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Or fear. So the voice continues and says... What you have to do is get every dog in the immediate area into Trafalgar Square by midnight tonight. Or what? Every dog. Every dog's got to be there. Something's going to happen. They all have to be there. The dogs that can't make it into London, can't make it into Trafalgar Square, you have to send out a message via the old-fashioned twilight barking because some of them are too far to reach by thought wave. you got to tell them to be out in their various squares or open places so they can all see the sky. Every dog has to be outside looking at the sky by midnight tonight. And then something's going to happen. I'm going to reveal the big plan then. Is he going to like... Uh, take them all up into heaven. <laughs> like, aliens come down? Are they going to be... I, I just don't... Like, this is yeah, so scary. So Cat Pig is like, why are we going to do that? What's going to happen? He's like, yeah, just take your father's advice, wait and see, and then... Why would... Why? Why would any of the dogs do this? They feel compelled to? I don't know. And they're like, hey, wait a minute, what about the rest of the world? Like, aren't all the other dogs around the world going to have to sit there and they can't all get to Trafalgar Square? He's like, don't worry about the rest of the world. You just take care of England and I'll take care of the rest of the world. I'm like, well, if you can do the whole world, why are you just leaving England alone? Why does Cadpig have to do England instead of, you know, you can take the whole rest of the world? Maybe he just has other emissaries in other places also doing the same That's thing Cadpig's doing. And he's just taking credit for it because Sirius, the dog star, little yeah. jerk face. So then he says, you know, you may each ask me one question, but the question can't be what's going to happen because <laughs> you already asked that one. I told you I'm not going to answer it. And so he's like, hurry up. I got like 30 seconds left. So I asked your questions. And Pongo says, who are you? And the star says, oh, 
that'd be like telling you what's going to happen. Wait and see, Pongo. It's like, okay, so you didn't answer that question. You said the one question you can't ask me is what's going to happen. And also, I guess, who are you? So <laughs> two questions you can't ask me. <laughs> the two main questions. So then Cadpig asks, hey, if I need your help at all with all this crazy stuff, how can I contact you? And he's like, you can't. Just You'll figure it out on your own. Good luck. <laughs> Break a leg. <laughs> and then Mrs. is like, hey, we haven't seen Roly Poly in a while. What's happened to Roly Poly? They're, they're, they're their son. Oh, Mrs. <laughs> it's just such like not an important question. <laughs> Yeah, but Mrs. thinks it's important because she loves her son. I know. Which I, I, I like, I like, she's the only one that likes the kid. <laughs> yeah, I know. Poor Rolly Bully. And the voice says, I can't see him at the moment and I don't have time to look for him. So I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> so those are the questions. It vanishes. And I got to think to myself, okay, so you make this whole spiel about, hey, you can ask me three questions. They ask him three questions. Gets no answers. No helpful information at all. It was completely useless. Yep. Pages of wasted ink. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's- so what we've learned so far is you could take about three chapters of this book out and you'd still have the same story. <laughs> I'm, I'm more than that, probably. <laughs> and so they're all like, well, that guy was weird. Do we like him? I don't know, but we better get started. Why don't, you know, Pongo and Mrs. go out and, and get in the Twilight Barking and try to get the other message out while Cad Pig thinks her thought waves to all the dogs in immediate vicinity about what the new plan is. And nobody's like, I hope this star doesn't want to kill us all. Destroy us. They're all a little apprehensive, but none of them, like, they haven't felt hungry all day. They haven't felt, re- remember how they all are very well behaved? Like, all the dogs seem yes. just sort of feeling generally sanguine about everything. Which is why I think he's just going to kill them all. And the general has come back at this point they explain what happened and he's like well i'm glad someone's in charge but who <laughs> and then tommy's goes like hey tommy thinks it might be an outer space person like it hasn't announced itself as a star yet but we all know it's a star uh, yeah it's an outer space person stars outer space people tommy who is really into science fiction is like oh yeah it's like aliens or outer space people i'm so excited for this <laughs> you go tommy but then as he's saying this the voice comes back as like pongo don't pry tommy keep your silly ideas to yourself and then it goes, Catpick, get busy. There'll be dogs who don't know what they have to do at midnight, and that'll be most unfortunate for them. See, that's super Which, sketchy. Yeah, no, it is menacing as heck <laughs> and creepy, and I don't trust this thing. I don't either. And I think all the dogs that are coming out, they're like those guys in Men in Black, all those people that like decide to go up to the, that's Men in Black, right? You where mean they go stand Independence on top of the, Day. Independence Day, right. Where, uh, like you the haven't people. Talked what movie is what today, aren't you? <laughs> I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> like all those people at Independence Day that decide to go to the top of the tower with their signs and like scream yeah, yeah, at the no, aliens is- to come get them. <laughs> This feels exactly like that. And so Pongo and Mrs. They go out to Primrose Hill to go bark at the country dogs to say, hey, get outside at midnight and be ready. Is this some religious metaphor? I'm sorry. No. Okay, good. (laughs) It also feels a little bit like that, you know, the coming. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel you, but it's not. So I have some questions here, which is like, hey, wait a minute. If it's midnight in England, it's not midnight everywhere. Right. So uh, why is like, why is England so important? And I feel this about like whenever aliens land in America every time, like, why is America so important? Why is England so important? Why? Like, it just feels like if this is a global thing. The star is not thought through the logistics of this really very well. Maybe the star is doing it all over the place. Maybe as a multifaceted personality, you can do it in multiple time zones. Sure. But then like, if it's a star, it has to be at midnight because it's night. It's not going to be at midnight, you know, everywhere. But you don't know that somewhere else where it's nine hours later or earlier, they haven't already done something to those dogs. Oh, oh, I know. It's going to be all at the same time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's crazy. Well, then I don't know how it works for the places that are already daylight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so Pong's like, hey, it'd be fun to have just one midnight in Trafalgar Square. And Mrs. is like, yeah, it is fun. Even though it's scary, it's like, Fun and Pong's like, yeah, I haven't been like scared in a while. It's like a horror movie kind of thing. He doesn't say that, but that's like what they're getting at. That's sometimes fun to be excited and scared a little bit. Not by creepy stars where everybody else in the entire yeah. world's asleep. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is way beyond that, guys. You are not alarmed enough for this scenario. <laughs> oh, children's books. <laughs> yeah. So they start barking and they get on the on the Twilight barking. And Pongo is like, you know, not a big fan of the Twilight barking because except in emergencies, it's basically just a gossip chain that dogs can sort of like gossip back and forth. So that really downgrades its importance in my opinion. <laughs> this is kind of an emergency though. Well, this one is, he's like, yeah, he uses it. He's happy to use it. But he's like, in general, he's like, eh, the Twilight barking isn't that important. You name the freaking book after it, but it's really not that important. <laughs> I'm glad they finally brought the Twilight barking in though, because I don't know if you recall, but in the first episode I asked what like why this book was called the starlight barking 
because yeah. they all telepathically communicate. Yeah, well, this would be the extent of the twi- use of the Twilight Barking in this book. So. Yeah, but I mean, it's just a cool title, so I can see why she used it for the book, but at least it actually <laughs> yeah. comes into play. <laughs> all right. So they bark really hard, and they finally reach the Great Dane, who, again, was in the first book. Like, this book feels like 90% of the plot is just, hey, remember this person from uh, the original book? And like the most paper-thin new plot stretch in between all the fan service. Well, so far I'm enjoying this crazy plot, so... It's crazy. <laughs> but it, as you mentioned, you could cut out chapters of the like the whole Cruella de Vil side quest is irrelevant. So he's barking at the dog. He's like, I've heard the thought waves, but I'm so far out. And they're kind of vague. I just sort of ignored them. And he's like, I wish your daughter wouldn't toss her thoughts into my head. That kind of stuff. I'm like, that's a good point. It's fair. It's like the cranky get off my lawn dog. No, he's just kind of like, you know, he's like the country, like... I live out here. I don't need to be bothered by all this noise from you city folk kind of dog. Yep. So he agrees to relay the message about meeting outside at midnight. And they're like, okay, cool. Let's head back to Downing Street. And as they finish with the right barking, they turn around, they head back, and we enter chapter nine in Trafalgar Square. So they swoosh over to Downing Street, but they get into a roadblock at Trafalgar Square. There are too many dogs all streaming into Trafalgar Square trying to get ready for the midnight reveal, and they're just stuck in a traffic jam. Can't they just float higher? I don't understand well, the swishing. Well, Mrs. has – so far, swishing is just like a few inches. Like you're just hovering. You're a right. hover dog. <laughs> so Mrs. says, hey, let's go higher. Because you go, Mrs. As you pointed out, really great idea that no one thought of until now. I don't believe nobody would have thought of that. Well, apparently they didn't because she thinks really high thoughts and floats up like a helicopter, quote unquote, and Pongo follows shortly after her. So they go about six feet in the air and just fly over the dogs with the new high swoosh that <laughs> Mrs. has invented. I mean, I'm really glad that Mrs. invented that because that is a dog after my own heart, but... <laughs> I do not believe that, like, every puppy wouldn't have been like, how high can I go with my swishing? <laughs> I immediately thought that in chapter one. And I'm like, well, I guess it's just a hover dog or something. Like, no, they can actually go higher. They just no one ever bothered to try. I, I'm just, like, okay. I do not believe that. <laughs> I'm only telling you what I tell here. Uh, Mrs. Warranted or not is being credited as the inventor of the high swoosh. I, uh, I support that since I like Mrs., but I just am calling shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> you can call Shenanigans all you want. You're going to be doing that a lot. <laughs> also, high swishing. So, yeah, the high swoosh is a great name. <laughs> so they get back and they go in the cabinet room and they're just finished up a cabinet meeting and Cat Pig's like... When you said cab... I'm sorry. When you said cabinet room, I was thinking like cabinet cabinets. <laughs> I was like, they finished their meeting in the cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> no, the cabinet. I got room, it. I got it. It's met. just my slow brain. It took a moment. <laughs> English is fun. It's great. And Cadbig said, none of us really had anything to say in this meeting because we're just waiting for the dog star. So we just passed a vote of confidence in ourselves and called it the day. <laughs> my kind of meeting. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's a very government meeting. I approve of that. That's, that's good, Dodie Smith. Very nice. <laughs> we're doing great. Let's go. <laughs> and Roly Poly and the Foreign Secretary, however, are still missing. Mysteriously missing. Roly Poly and the Foreign Secretary. I hope who they ran, off, ran off together and are living a happy life because nobody likes Roly Poly and they're all super mean to him. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, all right, time for us to go to Trafalgar Square because it's almost midnight or something. Time just sort of moves weirdly in this. And so Tommy and the cats, again, the big tractor, and so do Pongo and the cat administrators. They all want to make sort of a procession and they don't want to be like swooshing with the rabble. And they get the tractor to high swoosh because obviously. Yeah, obviously. Which is hilarious. So they get the tractor up and they go to Trafalgar Square and they land in the middle of Trafalgar Square. And they're like, all right, we're here. Let's see what happens. So it's waiting. And they're outside the National Gallery and Mrs. is like, I do wish the lights were on and suddenly all the lights come on in London so good job Mrs. (laughs) She's on a roll. She is. High swishing, lights. Getting the lights to come on. Realizing that being brave while you're scared is the best kind of bravery. Yeah, Mrs. is really the hero of this book. She is. I agree. The most interesting character so far. (laughs) And so... After a bit of time, someone suggests that Pongo give a speech for some reason. Speech, speech, speech. And so he does, but then he plagiarizes at the very end of it. He sees the statue of Nelson up on the pillar that's in Trafalgar Square, and he paraphrases the the famous Nelson quote and says, England expects that every dog will do his duty. And he's like, that's the end of the speech. (laughs) That's pretty much it. And everyone's like, okay, great. What's going to happen? I don't know. Do they clap with their dog buzz? No, they probably bark or something. (laughs) 
and so suddenly all the dogs just start feeling really excellent, like marvelous, spectacular, the best they've ever felt in their lives. They don't feel anxious. They just feel happy. The Minister of Transport, who is Babs the Poodle, if you don't recall, uh, does a little dance (laughs) with the Chancellor of the Exchequer, and then they get applauded for doing a little dance in the middle of Trafalgar Square because everyone's just feeling really happy. So they can't applaud. I I guess. How? (laughs) Real question. question, As we know, I have a lot of issues with applauding, and I would like to know how dogs do it. (laughs) You're really unfortunate if dogs can applaud better than you. (laughs) I think the bar is low. That's true. And then all the dogs just sort of like start singing, but it's like a dog whale form of singing. And Tommy and the cats do not appreciate this dog whaling singing. Go figure. But all the dogs are just super happy and they're just singing to express their happiness. So nobody's worried that the cats and Tommy might be affected by whatever crazy thing's about to happen with Sirius the dog star? Nope. (laughs) What if it like did Sirius tell them it was okay to have non-dogs on the plaza? He just said get everyone there. And since they're honorary dogs or half dogs, they included them. Okay. I just, I don't know what's going to happen, but it could be bad news bears. (laughs) So, at this point, Pongo looks up and notices that the stars are getting brighter. And they're getting brighter and brighter. One star in particular is getting very bright and very large. And as it approaches, Big Ben starts clanging out the uh, the stroke of midnight, you know, bong, bong, and it's coming closer. And then suddenly, it vanishes. All the lights go out. They're plunged into a terrible darkness. Just everything black. No lights at all. And all the dogs are simply frozen in abject terror. This is fun. Yeah. So they go immediately from complete and utter revelry to abject terror and darkness. And that takes us to chapter 10, the starlight barking. Great. Starlight. In which- I have a question. There is no starlight barking. <laughs> there is no starlight yes. barking. <laughs> they don't bark at the Continue, starlight. <laughs> so- What's your question? Nobody's found Roly-Poly. Nope. And nobody bothered to go and try and find him prior to midnight, even though the guy said nope. all the dogs need to be there. Correct. Roly-Poly, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am like he gets a short straw he does and not even misses who like likes Roly Poly. Well, his mother, so yeah. I'm a little. I'm just. I'm concerned about Roly Poly's family life. I'm not going to spoil anything, but what happens to Roly Poly is great. Okay, that's good. I guess. Because Roly Poly needs a, like a good, good resolution. I feel really bad for Roly Poly. I say that's the only part of the story that's going to make any sense. <laughs> all right, continue on. I'm looking forward to this. So all the dogs are sitting there, completely silent, in terror, and Pongo is sort of like trying to think through it, trying to use his analytical mind to think through the terror, and then he realizes that they're being controlled by someone or something immensely powerful. Yeah. And then there's another bright light, and for a moment, the figure of Nelson on the pillar is seen, then it vanishes to be replaced by the blazing star that addresses them and it says to them hi uh sorry about that but it was necessary for you to know darkness and terror to contrast it with the light and joy just so you would know the difference (laughs) i'm like wait a minute what just so you know how good you get you have it (laughs) right he's like you gotta know that if you have to know what darkness and and terror is so you can know what joy is he's like don't worry nothing but bliss from here on out i'm like "Uh uh-oh this is a cult leader It's 100% a cult. He literally says, quote, I'm going to be quoting this guy a lot because what he says is insane. The star says, that is, there will be bliss if you will accept bliss. The choice will be yours. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm so worried about like, this oh. book. Yeah. And they're like, oh, bliss is really great. I love bliss. Okay, let's hear this. And so introduces himself as, I am serious, Lord of the Dog Star, which, What? what? <laughs> Yeah. So is he the other other dog? Like, not dog stars, but dog star. He is the lord of the dog star. So there so, implies there is one dog star and he is the master of that dog star. But is also the star itself. It is super <laughs> weird. I don't know what's going See, on. See, this is a religious analog. Sam, this is like the Holy the, Spirit. Yeah, it's a trinity or whatever. <laughs> like yeah, three I got in you. one. No. I don't know. Maybe. But what he says is, I've always loved dogs and wish they could be with me on my lonely star. So he's turning them into stars. Is this where you were? Were you reading this book going, oh my God, Danielle might be right? No, absolutely not. No (laughs) moment I think she could have been right about this yet. Because he doesn't want to turn them into stars. He wants to bring them to his star, to live his dogs on a star. That's even weirder. But you didn't know that until then. I, I never wrote a moment without their turning stars, so I'm sorry. <laughs> really? Because I really think that that was a valid choice in that moment. I'm not saying it wasn't valid. I didn't, my mind just did not go there. <laughs> 
He wants to, so he does want to like take them up to space. Yes, he wants to take all the dogs to live with him. He's he's always admired dogs. He, he's watched over them for millennia, for as long as there have been dogs and stars. He has been watching them and he wants them to accompany him back to Sirius to live on the star. And I don't know what Dodie Smith's grasp on astronomy is and how <laughs> stars work, but no. <laughs> well, maybe it's one of those things like you, you shouldn't, take the things you love because they would actually all burn alive. (laughs) (laughs) Turn into a plasma of dog. (laughs) Like he thinks they could survive there because he doesn't understand dogs. But as soon as he takes them there, they're just like dead. (laughs) I think it's more metaphorical that they'll be like transformed or protected in some way. And turned into like stars inside the stars. See, my my idea was actually pretty close, Sam. (laughs) Mm, Okay. You'll see why it's not in a second, because I'm about to tell you why this is happening. <laughs> okay. I I have to read this verbatim because, boy. So he says, quote, For the longest time, I have loved them, but I could not ask them to leave Earth. But now I can, because for soon, through human foolishness, there may be no Earth, or no Earth as you know it. And those few of you who survive will be desperate, starving wretches, fighting each other, eating each other, just in order to go on living life that isn't worth living. That's intense. Yes. And he's like, hey, Cad Pig, you've lived in the down tree. You've heard the mission. You know what I'm talking about. She's like, yeah, nuclear bomb. We're talking about nuclear war. It's a Cold War book, Danielle. <laughs> like several of our books. <laughs> <laughs> this whole book turns out to be a fable about the dangers of nuclear annihilation in the Cold War because it was written in 1967. Just say what year. Uh, I explain yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I did not expect this to be a Cold War book. 75% of the way through it. That's a book ahead of its time. Uh, no. I mean, it's not like, I thought for a second, oh, climate change. Oh, wait, no, 1967 is a Cold War book. So you just need to replace it with climate change, though, and you'd have a book set for 2021. That's true. If they just replace uh, Cold War with climate change, this book would be pretty much the same. <laughs> You could even keep the star in there. But yeah, so his whole book is that, hey, I love you guys, dogs, but I've never intervened in your lives, and I've always watched you from afar, and I really wanted to have you, but I couldn't because, you know, you've been doing all right. But now that the Earth might be destroyed by a nuclear annihilation, you want to all just leave and come join me on Sirius and keep me company there for eternity? And screw all those other cats and birds and snakes Every and other humans. living creature on the Earth is screwed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cat pigs like, well, the humans may destroy the earth, but they might not. The stars like, you know, dogs won't have any say in the matter. So you really don't. You're taking a real big risk here. And most humans won't have any say in the matter either. But there is a risk. And that's why it gives me the right to rescue you if you would like. But he also says, I got to admit, though, this is more of an excuse for me. I just really want you all to come with me in my stars. I'm so lonely. <laughs> and this has just been a really great excuse to come and ask you to come with me. <laughs> And then Pong goes like, hey, how could we leave our pets? And he's like, what? You don't have the pets. You have owners. You pretend you are pets, but really you're not because which of you until they have been able to open doors? You don't get to do what you want. You're not free. You're clearly an enslaved class. <laughs> so come on, throw off your shackles of oppression. Join me on series The Dog Star. I mean – he has a point. <laughs> he, does, he does have a point. These are, as we talked about last book, anytime you have sentient animals, raises a lot of ethical questions for the way humans treat them. Yes, absolutely. And to be fair, there are a lot of ethical questions for the way we treat animals now, even though if they're not sentient. But boy, that's a can of worms. So <laughs> we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to move past that right now. This podcast cannot, uh, does not have the time to go in depth on the ethical treatment of animals. We don't have the time, nor do we really have the moral authority, <laughs> that's, Daniel. That's absolutely true. And so the Star of the Church is praising all the animals. Like, hey, Pongo, you're really great. Cat pig, you're pretty cool. And then he just goes down the list, praising <laughs> every breed of dog one by one, even mongrels and mutts and mixed breeds. Like, hey, you guys are pretty good too. And every dog cheers when their breed comes up and just goes through this and does that. That would take a long time. Have you ever seen one of those charts that has like all the breeds of dogs on it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it takes a long, it takes like hours. <laughs> I was saying, like hours. It's know. like 3 a.m. by the time he's like, and uh, boxers, you're pretty cool too. <laughs> 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 and then like you know one of the one of the mutts is like hey wait a minute I like being my people. They're very nice to me. And they're like, well, but he's always apologizing for you. Don't they call you Heinz or 57 Varieties as a way to apologize for your mixed breed status? I'm like, uh-oh, here come the eugenics again. <laughs> and the dog doesn't answer because his name is Heinz. And so, ouch. <laughs> this uh, book's really driving that home. Yeah. 
And he's like, dogs, they starve to death. They die and then they suffer. But if you all join me on Serious the Dog Star, no dog will ever suffer again. Because you'll be stars. <laughs> nope. Does not say that. <laughs> That's implied, Sam, obviously. So Mrs. asks, how are we going to get there? And he's like, don't worry about it. You can just swoosh your way to the dog star. Just think really swooshy thoughts. <laughs> really swooshy high star thoughts. And you'll get there pretty much instantly. I'll give you that power. And so now... It comes to it, he says, here it is. It must be a mass and unanimous decision. So you have to decide amongst yourselves worldwide and put it to a vote. And whichever dog's side wins, whoever side gets more votes, stay or go, every dog is going to do that, whether they want to or not. That's not unanimous, though. Exactly. I'm sorry, not unanimous. I meant uh, a majority. Okay. I'm like, "Mm, those are big differences. (laughs) Yes, so it must be a majority decision. So That's, either way, some unhappy dogs. How come like some of the dogs can't go? The ones that want to go can go, and the ones that don't want to go can stay? Yes. That was my immediate question, Danielle. Like, why can't you just take some of the dogs? You get some company. Those dogs that are you know, want to leave can leave, and the dogs that don't want to leave can stay. Like, why is that like a big problem? It seems like he has the power to do that, but he's just like, nope. It's all or nothing, doggies. Because it's more dramatic for the plot line. Well, yes, obviously, but no. <laughs> So Cad Pig already decides she doesn't want to leave the Prime Minister because she really likes him. And Pongo is just torn because he really enjoyed the bliss, but also really likes his people and doesn't want to leave them. And he asks, well, what if we all leave, what's going to happen to the people? And the star says, they'll all wake up in a world without dogs, and I'll have it arranged so they completely forget that dogs ever existed. And they'll just forget that dogs are a thing. Can you imagine being yes. Pongo and Mrs. <laughs> humans and waking up in this giant house I assume Boring. all the dog stuff like remains. Reaches, food, Does yeah, it disappear. <laughs> let's, let's pretend like it's still there. And you're like, what is all this stuff? And why do we have so much space? And why do we have kennels? <laughs> what do we put in these kennels? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really insane. Or even if you uh, everything disappears and all the dog paraphernalia is gone and the dog's gone, you don't remember dogs exist, but you wake up and you have like a hundred acres of nothing. And you're like, why do we live here? There's three of us. <laughs> no, I, I think that uh, it may. The star may have mentioned again. I don't remember exactly. He might have mentioned, oh, don't worry about all that leftover stuff. I'll just take care of it. I'm, I'm magic. Don't, don't worry about it. They'll just forget yeah, the dogs. Yeah, but you still wonder why you live in this giant hall with all. No, that's totally true. That'd be like, <laughs> this is crazy. Do you have like a million children? What's going on? <laughs> like, like, why do we have so much space? And so Sirius is just like listening to the dog's thoughts and getting a feel for it. Like, I get that some of you are really hesitant. I admire your faithfulness. I understand it because, well, I am a star, but I'm also a dog. See? And then it turns into a dog on the plinth. And every dog sees it as its own breed. <laughs> it's so it's like all dogs dog. to all dogs. <laughs> Yeah, right? And so Mrs. is like, oh, gosh, I really would like some more bliss, but I don't know if I could leave the dearlies. And Pong is like, I don't think I could either. And the sheepdog, the general, is like, I have obligations to my sheep. I can't leave them. And Star's like, yeah, don't worry about your sheep. They will not miss you or need you. And no humans will miss or need any dog. Dogs will simply be forgotten. And then, finally, the general says, hey, what about our honorary dogs, Tommy and the cat? And Sirius is like, well, that's up to them. They can come if they want or not. So apparently, it is optional. <laughs> so do the parents of Tommy wake up and go, ah, we never had a kid. <laughs> Probably, because Tommy is on board. He's like, go to a star in the sky in space? Yes, please. <laughs> I appreciate Tommy's enthusiasm for this insane plan. He's like, yes, I want to explore space. I love science fiction. Take me, Starman. Take me. And uh, the cat, on the other hand, is a no-go. Cat's like, no, thank you. I, feel I don't like want to go to space with a bunch of dogs. definitely not go to space, but not because they were attached to their humans. They'd just be like, meh. <laughs> nah. I think the cat would be like, hmm, spend eternity in a star full of dogs. No, thank you. <laughs> So the cats stay and Tommy's going to go. He's like, okay, that's decided. But now we need your answer. And all the dogs are barking at the same time. It's all mass confusion. And finally, one dog suggests that, that Pongo and Mrs. make the decision for all of them. What? No. Y- yeah. They're like, hey, Pongo, you're pretty smart. You, you figure it out and tell us what we should do. No, 100% Mrs. and Pongo should be like, absolutely not. We're going to raise our paws. We're going to do a count. And that's all that's going to happen. Nope. <laughs> and they're like, all right, we'll take this responsibility. Sure, absolutely. It's insane. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And Pongo's like thinking about it and he's really torn. Then he realizes his mind is being invaded by the star and like 
being pressured one way or the other. And he's like, hey, get out of my head. And the star's like, you got me. All right. <laughs> star man. <laughs> I'll give you an hour. Go into the National Gallery. You have until two o'clock. And when you come out, you'll have your answer. And I'll, I'll go away and leave you alone so that you won't have any undue interference from so me. So they're implying that that whole conversation prior to this only took an hour from midnight to 1 a.m. Yeah. And that every dog ever on the planet was having the same conversation at the same time with this star. And they congratulate, or they, he complimented every breed of animal all of that happened yep, in one hour yep. <laughs> yep i don't think she thought that through <laughs> no well again time might just be like sure dilating yeah or let's whatever. pretend the star i mean why magic. not the star has magic powers on everything else yeah exactly but also is pongo speaking for the entire planet of dogs or just the dogs of england because it's not clear and that'd be super annoying as a dog from another place <laughs> <laughs> right? So Pongo goes into the National Gallery. He's like, hey, I'm going to think about this real hard. If any of you have anything you want to say, come in and I'll listen to you and take your counsel. And so he goes to the National Gallery. He's like, all right, time to think about this for a while. And that takes us to our penultimate chapter, Danielle. Chapter 11. What answer? Yeah, what? What answer? Good question. So inside the gallery, Pongo sees a painting of a horse and the guy's like, no, I thought it was a real horse for a second. Boy, they look majestic. <laughs> and then he realizes he'll miss like horses and other things and other animals when he's on the dog star. And so the cabinet's in there with him. They're all just sort of like listening to Cad Pig. And she's like, I don't want to go. I want to stay. And the cabinet's like, okay, if, if Cad Pig's staying, we're all going to stay. And Miss is like, I want to stay too. And Pongo's like, I kind of want to stay, but I also can't make that decision for everyone because I know a lot of dogs would want to go. But he just agreed. He shouldn't have agreed. Well, but he's, he didn't really have a choice, he felt, because he had to make the – everyone was sort of pressuring him to make the decision for no, them. No, no. Hard pass. Just go – no. <laughs> Draw your boundaries, Pongo. <laughs> Catpick says to him, it's what you decide that will count, unless, of course, the majority of the dogs in the world disagree with you. So – Wait, what? I guess he's deciding just for England, but they're outvoted by literally the millions of other dogs around the world. It, what he decides doesn't actually matter. Okay, sure. And so after a while, the Great Dane comes barging in. So the Great Dane they were barking at earlier with a chihuahua on his back, because <laughs> why not? He comes swooshing into the gallery. Literally. And he's like adamantly against stars. He's like, hey, that star, he's a fake, total loser. <laughs> Well, first he calls a chihuahua ridiculous because it's a ridiculous name for for a breed. But I'm like, all right, let's just move past the eugenics some more. <laughs> but he's like, that star, it is two-faced because it showed a different dog breed to every dog. It tried to endear itself to us. It's being manipulative. I don't trust it. You should tell that star to take a hike and leave. I mean, I don't disagree that it's being manipulative. And he says, first, the serious fellow works us up into like feeling bliss to get us all happy and then takes it away and makes us all afraid to make us miss it. And then he goes and leaves us feeling very lonely after he disappeared. So now... He's just trying to play us to like give us a little taste free and then make us really want it. I'm like, you got his number there, Great Dan. I like you. But Pongo is like, I don't think he's just being evil. I think he's just trying his best and he does really care about us. The Great Dane is like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. The bomb's scary, but I live with a professor, right? And he says that all the future wars are going to be fought in space while we all watch it safely from the ground. So, you know, there's that. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> His argument is space isn't going to be safe because his professor human says we'll fight in space in the future. Uh, I don't know what's going on in this book, Danielle. It's gone for rails. <laughs> it's just become like a weird m debate now about to stay or go for the next chapter. But I would assume that staying on this star, he seems to have quite the power. I assume they'd be safe yeah, I agree. on the star. I think, the, I think the Great Dang is full of it. Like, I don't think the space war is going to affect the serious the dog star. No, I agree. So next in come a group of what they call themselves lost dogs. Mostly mixed breeds mutts who have been turned out. They're the, you know, strays and dogs in shelters. And they're like, we represent all of the lost dogs and we're here to talk about this thing. We really enjoyed that the serious gave us that pleasure and bliss and we've all suffered greatly. They're clearly starving. They're super skinny. But they say, hey... We don't want to go with them. We want to stay behind. Do they give a reason? Yeah. They're like, well, first, we want our lives here first before we go anywhere else. Because we all remember what it was like to be loved by a home. Even if we were turned down that home, we still love those people. And we all live in hope that we will be found by another person and we'll have a person of our own to love and care. And even if we all belong to Sirius, we want to have someone special that's just ours. Okay. I'm like, okay, that's really nice. But like, uh, that paints a very rosy picture of stray dogs and what happened to them. 
because what they say is, there's always hope. Nearly all strays are taken to lost dog homes, and then very often, kind people come and offer them homes. I'm like, that's not what happens. <laughs> I mean, it depends, but yes, so many dogs don't make it to homes. Or even make it to shelters. It is very tragic. <laughs> it's not good. And so he's like, nah, every dog just has a happy ending. It just takes a while. And so we don't want to go to Sears. Like, oh boy, all those dogs that like starved to death are like the, the dog fighting rings and abuse. I'm like, all those dogs just are not considered at all in this book. That's sad. Yeah, no, I'm like, those dogs probably would want to go serious. And maybe, maybe Sirius could take all those dogs and leave all the other dogs behind. But nope, it's all or nothing. Yeah. Also, it's, I mean, it's a nice thought, but one is like guaranteed happiness and the other is like maybe happiness. That's not necessarily yeah. a reason to choose it, to choose to go to the star, but it's definitely something to more deeply consider. <laughs> you, you think so, but nope, time's up. Clock strikes two. He listened to two groups. He listened to, I'm oh, sorry, he listened to three groups, I guess. He listened to the cabinet and Cad Pick and his family. He listened to the representative of all stray dogs and he listened to the Great Dane. So in an hour he's had three visitors but prior to three that the star managed to compliment every single yep. <laughs> breed and they had an argument. <laughs> I think the star's manipulating time and shortened it here to give Pongo less time to think. Yeah, that seems very suspicious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very suspect. But at that moment Pongo is thinking well, I, I gotta break it to him we're not going with him but the star's like yeah, you forgot I can read your thoughts I get it the answer's no that's too bad and I, I kind of knew that would be the answer because dogs have always lived closest to mankind and you're really connected to them. But, you know, I had to try. I would put it out there if he just waited 20 years and tried again, or even five to 10 years, you'd have like a whole new generation of dogs to ask. <laughs> or maybe just take a few dogs. I'm sure there are plenty of dogs who would love to go with you. I don't understand why he didn't just take the dogs and said yes. It's crazy. And he's like, all right, well. I hope you never regret your choice. So you all have until sunrise to get home before all your powers vanish. So be sure to get home quickly before sunrise. Just everyone swoosh home, swoosh home as fast as you can. And then once you get home, by morning, your powers will vanish. And if you're not home by morning, you'll be stuck wherever you land. And uh, all the humans will wake up and yeah, this will all be over. Like I was never here. So does it like resort to the previous day or does it like a whole new day? And the humans were like, how did we sleep through an entire day? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> the humans don't even know this through an entire day, Danielle. Maybe it's, everything's a day off now, but the humans don't know it. <laughs> Just like, think it's still Wednesday. It's really Thursday. Why, but why would they think any differently? Nothing, literally nothing has changed in the Just entire world. Curious. <laughs> it would make, I agree. It's crazy. And so Pongo and his party, they wait for the rest of the crowds to leave. And then as soon as all the other dogs leave Trafalgar Square, they, they suit up and they try to go back with the tractor and Sirius leaves. And they're like, oh, poor Sirius. He's so lonely. I feel bad for him, but we're not going with him. So, oh, well. I feel bad for like all those dogs who are like, yes, a new life. This is going to be awesome. Nope. Just kidding. I'm sick of being like abused <laughs> and like, nope, suck it. You got to stay be abused because some other like pampered dogs don't want to leave. <laughs> Absolutely insane. If Sirius really had compassion for dogs, he would take the dogs, the downtrodden dogs. Any of the dogs that wanted him. to go, whatever the reason. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, and he has the power to make people forget dogs existed. He can make them forget like certain dogs existed <laughs> or even not care. They just vanish and people will be fine with yes, it. agreed. Sirius is the real villain. <laughs> I said that all along, Sam. You did, but they did not turn the stars. The offer was not to turn them into stars. So. Dog stars. <laughs> nope. There was a dog star. You don't know what they would have been like when they got actually reached the star, Sam. How do you live on a star? Uh, I mean, Daniel, there are so many questions this book has <laughs> I cannot possibly answer. So as they're flying back, Pongo remembers, hey, Roly Poly's not here. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, our son. Where is he? <laughs> yeah, but he's like, oh, we don't have time to look for him. I got to keep this from Mrs. Otherwise, she'll worry because if we turn back or we stop, we're not going to get home in time. We're going to be stranded miles and miles from home with a tractor that we can't possibly move. <laughs> Explain that to the humans. Exactly. So now they come to their final chapter, chapter 12, A Race with the Sun. It could be the actual sun, too. Is it the actual sun? It is the sun, does, the actual sun, the com- not the child. Does the sun come and speak to them? <laughs> <laughs> if only. you think the closer star would have a, have a better chance of it. So they gather up and they swoosh back. Cat pick in the cabinet, go back to Downing Street, and Pongo and his group, they, they mount up and they do a quick swoosh for Suffolk. <laughs> quick swoosh. In his words. And as they're swooshing home as fast as they can, Mrs. is like, Pongo, something's bothering me. He's like, don't think about it. Don't even, don't, don't, don't think about it. Just swoosh. And she's like, wait, no, something's really bothering me. Can we stop talking about this? He's like, I guess we could take a quick break. So they pause for a second. And then Mrs. is like, hey, wait a minute. Where's Roly Poly? Like, oh, I died to remember. It's like the home alone. Did I leave the garage yeah, open much. with the stove on? Kevin! <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. And he's like, we can't wait for him. He'll be all right. Maybe he'll end up with Cad Pig and Downstream. They'll be happy there. But we really don't have time to wait for him. And she's like, can we just bark for him? Can we just try barking for him once? So they all pull over and they bark as loud as they can. All the dogs bark together, barking for Roly Poly. And they're like, oh, our, our, our ability to thought wave and communicate telepathically doesn't exist anymore. But they try barking one more time. And then wait, they hear him. They hear Roly Poly barking in the distance. He's following them. Roly Poly's like, hey, wait for me. I'll be there in just a few minutes. And he and he swooshes up. And he's like, oh, I've had quite an adventure. Pong was like, tell us about us later. We have to concentrate on swooshing back to our home. She goes, apparently you can't swoosh and talk, talk at the, the same, same time. time. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. They're, like, Mrs. like, hey, Roly Poly, what happened? And he's like, no whispering. Say all your breath for swooshing. I'm like, wait, you need breath to swoosh? I mean, this, what? <laughs> None of this makes sense. You think? So they all swoosh home and they, they, they drop off Tommy and the tractor and then and the cats. And then one of the cats is coming back with Pongo's like, hey, I can't swoosh. I'm like half a dog. And Pongo's like, get on my back. And the cat's like, nah, I'm too fat for that. I'll just walk back. I can climb up the fence myself because I'm a cat. <laughs> and Pongo's like, all right, cool. I'll see you back at the place then. So then Pongo says, all right, we have to do the quickest swoosh. And they all swoosh back. They all get into their homes back into the barn and the kennel for some of the dogs and Pongo and Mrs. and Roly Poly go inside and before they go upstairs though Mrs. is like hey Roly Poly where were you tell us what happened and Roly Poly's like oh I just went to Paris yeah as one does I mean it's just a short flight away <laughs> pretty much it's like short swoosh <laughs> swoosh short swoosh <laughs> so he's like George, the foreign secretary, he's like, he's always wanted to travel because he's the foreign secretary, but he doesn't get to because it says the actual foreign secretary travels, not the dog. <laughs> and so after I taught him to swim in the lake, I said, hey, let's switch over to Paris and just have some fun. <laughs> Love Rolly And they Polly. did. He's the he's best. Like, I know this is like big world time ending stuff going on, but let's go to Paris. <laughs> they, go to Paris. they go to Paris and they hang out at the Eiffel Tower. They hear the dog star talking to them because uh, all the dogs in Paris get at the Eiffel Tower to hear the dog star. And he's like, it was fun to hang out. And uh, you should have seen George, all the French lady dogs. He's like, oh, la, la, they were having fun. <laughs> I'm glad he met a new friend. Yeah. And the dog started recognized them as English dogs. And said, hey, I'm going to give you extra fast swooshies so you can get home in time for sunrise. And she's like, all right. And that was his adventure. That was that was Roly Poly's adventure. He just went to Paris and hung out for a bit with the with George, I read the foreign secretary book. dog. <laughs> I was like, that does look a way more interesting story. That's like a dog's day out in Paris. Tell me about that. Maybe that's the sequel to this book. And so then Mrs. asks the question, how could Sirius talk to all the dogs in the world with so many different time zones? Good question, Mrs. Plunk was like, I don't know. And then she's like, oh, I know. I just asked that question so I can answer it myself. <laughs> she says... In space, they probably aren't any clocks. And where there are no clocks, they have no such thing as time. So, there you go. <laughs> I love Mrs. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, it's either that or magic, but yeah, this is more fun. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed in her lackluster uh, support of Roly Poly. But other than that, I really love Mrs. <laughs> yeah. It's just the best. So they all go upstairs. They get into bed. She's like, oh, ooh, I'm hungry now. Well, I guess it's wearing off. And they go to sleep. And then she's thinking, you know what? I'm glad we didn't go. Because as much as that bliss was like felt really nice, after a while, you wouldn't even notice it. It would just become your new normal. And I'm like, Mrs., that's a very prescient thought about like how we always sort of normalize to our current experience. That's true. She's really the smartest dog in this entire book. Pongo gets she the is. credit, you know, Pongo but made all the decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely wrong. So Pongo is kind of where the dealies haven't woken up yet because sun is up. And then he notices birds singing. He's like, oh, I guess the birds are waking up. The dealies will wake up soon. And then he feels just really happy and content because, you know, it's not the bliss that Sirius gave them, but he is very happy and blissful here. And he thinks very hard at Sirius that if you can hear us, perhaps one day we'll join you and accept bliss, but not yet because we have so much bliss already. Suck it, Sirius, the dog star. <laughs> Life's yeah. already yeah. good. <laughs> That's already good. Well, it's good for me. All the other dogs who are suffering, they don't count. But for me, it's great. So later. The end. The end. And that's that book, Danielle. That, that is The Starlight Barking by Dodie Smith. I really think she should have named all our chapter titles after the swishes. The highest <laughs> like, swish. The swish. swish. Highest swish. swish the-, <laughs> <laughs> the quickest swish. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that book started out as a really weird and kind of like thin tread of mysticism and then quickly turned into an anti-Cold War story before settling on just not having anything happen. And no Cruella de Vil. It's just like plot twist. A plot twist. We spent a lot of time talking about Cruella de Vil. We just wasted your time. <laughs> Psych. What an odd 
Odd book. (laughs) (laughs) Such a weird choice. I mean, I appreciate that Dodie Smith wanted to write a book about, you know, condemning the Cold War. I'm all about not having nuclear annihilation happen. So, yes, on the same page. Why'd it have to be a sequel to 101 Dalmatians? And and with a star. (laughs) Yeah, why'd it have to be a series of dog star trying to just dog nap every dog off the planet? And then why was like there a like whistle stop tour of every person from 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> every character in 101 Dalmatians that made no impact on the story? Why would we spend a whole chapter talking about metal raincoats for <laughs> Cruella de Vil and her husband when it was entirely irrelevant? I, d- I don't know. <laughs> I'm so upset about that. That's the part I'm most angry about is the metal raincoats <laughs> because I want to know what that's about. That sounds way more yeah. interesting. Like, why is Cruella de Vil making rain? What's the scheme for her and Mr. de Vil? <laughs> This book either needed like way less of that or way more of that. <laughs> it needed nothing about Cruella de Vil and weird metal clinking raincoats or needed all Cruella de Vil and weird metal clinking raincoats because that's a story I want to know more about. <laughs> See, and I believe in the third book in the series, it splits between Cruella de Vil's clinking clothes and uh, <laughs> Roly Poly's adventure to Paris. That would be the book I'd want. I want to see you know, Roly Poly gadding it up in Paris while the other dogs are like, well, Roly Poly's useless. Glad he's gone. Let's take on Corella. <laughs> and he's just having the time of his life while they fight Corella. That'd be a great book. <laughs> but I don't know. This book was... I, I can't say I recommend it because it's kind of boring because just long stretches of this book are nothing but the dogs like musing about leaving or staying or like, hey, what's happening? I don't know. But like over the course of four or five pages <laughs> and none of that actually makes a difference because all of their like, what's going on? We got to warn all the other dogs. All this like, it didn't matter because they just got a message from a star that said, hey, do this. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that solves everything. <laughs> So I don't know. It is certainly one of the weirder books I've read, and it makes absolutely no sense. But it's almost worth reading for the weirdness, it sounds like. I would say, like, it's a really quick read, so it's not like you get bored reading it, but it is worth it for just the bizarreness of this swooshing dogs. And the illustrations are, are pretty fun. They're mostly just dogs floating. Like, they don't look like they're jumping in the air. Dogs and tractors floating, and it's really great. I'm going to argue that this is one of the um, the hardest to predict books or stories we've ever done on <laughs> no. this entire podcast i mean i i know the 13th warrior for instance we talked a lot about how they introduce concepts and characters that just seem to vanish and never go anywhere mm-hmm. that was like the entirety of this book though start to end nothing happened in this book because the characters all ended up exactly back where they were at the beginning having learned nothing uh-huh. like all they learned was that they want to stay on that earth they really appreciated the life they already had sam that was clearly the moral yes I mean, yeah, but they didn't learn anything about preventing nuclear war. There was no, <laughs> you know, uh, nothing about, hey, maybe we should help the dogs that are suffering and who might want to go serious, make their lives better so they can appreciate staying here on Earth too. That wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, they waved a lot of stuff under the rug. <laughs> yeah, no. So, like, I, I felt like the characters did not grow at all very much. <laughs> it, like, I felt like this whole journey was sort of just like, hey, guys, welcome with me? No. All right. Cool. All right. It's like, I, I don't know why that had to be this whole, like, song and dance about making all the humans follow sleep and then have the dogs fly around for a day before meeting at midnight for like this seems very dramatic well you have to have a story plot sam okay i get the purpose of writing a book danielle (laughs) my question is why was this book written no she had the idea she wanted to put it on paper and she hoped one day we would make a podcast about it that's the real answer she's like no maybe someday some people talk about how weird my book is on a podcast and really appreciate the cold war messaging in there and we do Dodie smith we do i'm obviously on board with this i feel like again this book could have been weirder like if it had just gone full tilt into like surrealism (laughs) oh Anyway, do you have any other questions, Danielle? Because I don't know. I don't. I mean, I think I ask all of my questions as we go along. So I think I'm fresh out of questions. <laughs> it's crazy. If any of you out there, I want to know what, what, what our listeners would think. Would you have voted to go with Dogstar? If you were one of these dogs in the 1960s, hearing about the Cold War and how humanity might just annihilate everything, would you be like, yeah, I want to leave? Or would you choose to stay? Would you be okay with Pongo making that decision for you? Yeah. I don't know what my answer to yeah. that question is, but I definitely don't think I'd want Pongo to make that decision for me. <laughs> well, I want to hear what our listeners have to say, Danielle. So if they want to reach out to us, they can find us at the usual places, bookretorts.com. Or you can Facebook, tweet us, Instagram us at bookretorts. And until next time, keep an ear out for that twilight barking. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Take care. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
I could I can make a weird little other. You just you could l just pick another noise that I have made. <laughs> Would you like me to make one now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead, make a fake noise. I might put it in there. I might not. We'll see how this noise goes. I, I might know. put it in this one. I don't know what the noise will be now. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's not so easy when you're when it's on the spot, is it? I do them all the time. I just can't. Danielle, I'm gonna count to three. You're gonna make a noise. You ready? <laughs> this is really this one. Is, this is very scary. Two, don't Three. Ah! <laughs> That's about what I expected. I do have an angry cat noise for a, uh, I brought a, a dead animal in for you or maybe a live noise. Okay. It goes. That's pretty good. Uh, this is just, wow. <laughs> this is all staying in. This whole like last 10 minutes is going to be the opening. It's going to be most of the episode is us making dumb animal noises. 